You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and syndicating for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and what follows is a conversation between me and Jack O'Neill. Jack is the frontman for Sydney's Slow Culture. The reason for the conversation is to promote Slow Culture's brand new EP for 2018. It's a self-titled affair. So let's have a listen to what Jack has to say. Here we go. Not bad, Matt. How you doing? Mate, plugging away. I think we've finally got something resembling bloody spring arriving in Queensland at the moment, which uh, means that uh, it's a fairly balmy evening, mate, but I'm not complaining. How about yourself? <laughs> yeah, not too bad, man. It's looking like spring down here as well. Yeah, I, yeah. you're in Sydney, aren't you? That's it. Yep. It's an interesting night, actually. I've, I had a chat to a fella from a band called The No Goods just before you. Both, you're both on Firestarter, obviously. Um but I was explaining to him, as I'll explain to you, I so rarely get an opportunity to talk to bands from Sydney. It's just so one is of that the... so? Yeah, it's just Sydney, I think, I don't know, it's, I've got my own theories on things. I used to be in a band called Velveteen, who was based in Sydney, actually. So I, I know a little, from my time in Velveteen, I think I understand a little bit about the Sydney scene, circa, circa the early 2000s anyway. Things have probably changed sure. immensely since then. But um, uh, yeah, it's it's a city that, it's home to almost 6 million people at this point. It's a truly global city. There are niches and there are pockets of people and people tend to stay in them, I think, and they don't sort of tend to get out and experience other parts of the city. And also you've got those bloody awful lockout laws. Yeah, that didn't help. That didn't help at all. <laughs> Which um, just makes it so yeah, hard. Yeah, I get what you mean about the, about the niche thing, though. That's, that's definitely mm. something that we see. Are you guys in the inner west or whereabouts are you guys? Yep, we're in the we're in the inner west, so we're in that kind of circle, I suppose. Mm. Um, when I was coming through, Newtown was the place to be. Sandringham Hotel. I got this. There was too many places on um, King Street. I think it's King Street. Is that the main street there? Um, yeah, that's on there. Yeah, there were there was about four or five places to play at that time, and it wasn't even that competitive to play there because I think they were playing live music most of the night. Of course, playing Monday through to Wednesday night meant that you didn't get much of an audience but um you know if you got sort of second second band on the bill or what have you on a friday night it usually meant that you were playing to say 80 people or so and you felt like you're a bit of a rock star yeah that's definitely like a time i suppose it was like a sydney side of it also as a musician definitely a time that you like you hear a lot about but um you're right it has it has changed a lot mm. you're lucky to you know if you if you're lucky, you know, you'll draw a crowd of, you know, 20. <laughs> um, yeah, it was like that back like, then too. It was pretty bad like that, like trying to play in places like Parramatta and the like. Um, you, you, you had bloody struggled to get hardly anybody. You were virtually playing to your girlfriends, your friends, and the other bands. Yeah, it's a lot. Like, it's, it's, I think it's probably always always had an element of that. I think, um, you know, we, we kind of glamorized Sydney from, you know, the 80s and whatever when you had bands like In Excess and whatever coming up in the pub scene. And um, I think we all kind of glorify that era in a way. Well, I think... But, I mean, they had, to play to, they had to play to no one too, you know, once upon a time. Yeah, and they did, and they earned their stripes. But Sydney was a place that fostered some of the best music this country's ever produced and probably a lot of the best music this country's ever produced. So Divinals, Ice House, Midnight Oil, you mentioned In Excess there. Uh, in excess might have come from Perth, but they cut their teeth as Cold Chisel did, as we know, in Sydney. 
I know Cold Chisel were originally from Adelaide, but it was the Sydney scene that actually brought the best out of them. And they were able to play. And I just read Tex Perkins's book. Now, he's a, a Queensland lad, and he moved down to Sydney. And he was talking about back in the late 70s and early 80s in Sydney, you could pull a decent-sized crowd on any night of the week. On any night of the week, yeah. and that was he was playing in some pretty bloody obscure acts and some hard to you had to be fairly inebriated, put it that way, to really sort of get a sense of enjoyment out of some of the stuff that he was putting out. I think by his own admission, but uh, <laughs> yeah, thirty years, thirty-five years has certainly been a long time. But it's you talk to people from New York and they say the same thing. If you're going to compare big cities, I think it's just a big port town issue in that New York's gone through the same sort of change where there are barely any venues in Manhattan. And of course, um, true. CBGB's true. was once there, and there are a lot there, but they've gone. Uh, they've gone the way of the dodo as rent skyrocketed, and people who own the buildings sought to capitalise on property prices. And I wonder if the same things happened in Sydney along with these bloody lockout laws. I'd wage a bet on it. I, I reckon, personally, mm-hmm. um, just just from what I've seen, there's a whole bunch of uh, high rise going up, and not a lot of soul in the place. <laughs> It's a hard city to live in, in Sydney, in my view. It's, do you find it that way? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, I mean, just as a just as a person, but you know, as a musician, it's it's gut wrenching at times. Really, <laughs> I mean, there's no there's no other way around it. Obviously, you keep doing it, and you you know, you're doing it because you love what you do, and and all of that. But uh, yeah, it's definitely tough. Which is a shame because I really enjoy this album or this EP, I should say, of yours here. I'm truly enjoying it. Thank and you, man. And I'm Thank not just you, saying that. that. It's it's music that I, I find myself increasingly being drawn toward because it's very thoughtful music, but it's music, in my view, that suits a variety of applications. So you can put it on as an accompaniment to a barbecue. I'm a father with two kids, so I, I've batted on around the kids earlier on tonight in the car. And uh, believe me, they tend to uh, tell me to turn it things bloody off and put on Frozen or Elsa, as they call it. Um, <laughs> you'll get to know these things once you're a parent, believe me. But they didn't. They didn't do that with yours, which is wonderful. And um, that's that's amazing, man. That's actually very heartwarming to hear. Well, yeah, cool, man. I, and I'm glad it is because it's such a great mix of, of dreamy, dreamy soundscapes, dub and prog. So they were the three things that I came up with. I couldn't actually compare it to anybody out there in the market. I mean, I think if I was going to be lazy, I'd say, yeah, Tame Parlor and Chairlift and stuff like that. But I think you've got your own groove going on here. We, we like to think so. Um, I think uh, we've, we've been in a band for so long now and we all have our own influences and our own ways of going about making music and listening to music that I think it all kind of comes together as, as something that's quite, uh, you know, us. Something else that really stood out, and it stood out because, as you know, these bloody awful iPhone speakers don't do music like yours any justice. But you were cutting through, even notwithstanding apparently this wonderful technology that makes everything sound like it's coming out of a $2 speaker. But <laughs> the drumming, mate, Ben Grovers, I believe your drummer's name is, the drumming, yep, that's his name. the drumming stood out, man, so I've got to give him a big compliment here. For me, it's one of the performances of the year on a recording. because I'm, Ooh, I, I cannot wait to tell him that. He'll be, he'll be tough. <laughs> well, well, the addition to that and probably the reason for it is I'm a bass player. I'm a career bass player. So I'm constantly listening, listening to groove and, and how the groove accompanies the melody. Now, where he's 
done an outstanding job is marrying up the groove to the acoustic guitars. So my question for sure. you would be, did you guys focus a lot on that? Um, you know, we, we kind of, our like writing approach is usually to, to write something that's quite stripped back um, and, then, and then build upon it from there. So a lot of the, the writing that went into it was me with an acoustic guitar and, and Ben with a, a padded up drum kit. So I don't think it was uh, conscious, but I suppose, yeah, in a subconscious way, we we definitely linked up more with the guitars than maybe with the bass. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it's it sounds like I'm I'm glad that it was one of those things that just happened because it actually sounds like as though you you've spent an enormous amount of time pouring over the beats and the rhythms and making sure that they fit in with what's going on. So to hear that it's <laughs> it's a natural thing and it's something that just not just happened, I realise you've got to work on these things, but it's a result of obvi- very obvious talent. It, it's it's a great thing and I'd encourage, and because I'm going to release this as a podcast episode and I can't play the music on the podcast series, these podcast episode, but I'd encourage anybody listening and is the album re- is the EP released yet? Is it available on iTunes? Yet? Yeah, man. Okay, yeah, it's, it's it's up everywhere. Okay, so have a listen to this drumming and have a listen to the way that it marries up with the cadence of the acoustic guitar. Because I also play the guitar, and I know that finding a drummer who understands the syncopation of an acoustic guitar strum is bloody hard. It's really hard. <laughs> Oftentimes you end up just giving up and just doing big open chord strums because the drummer's being too busy. But he's not done that. <laughs> it's it's actually it's very tight, compact drumming that really complements the playing. So there you go. Yeah, I, I cannot wait to tell him that he'll be he will, he will be over the moon. He's a very hard worker. Wonderful. Uh, driven driven kind of drummer. Excellent. All right, so lyrical themes across this album here. Is there anything that you focused on? Man, it's it's pretty all over the place to be honest because um, it's it was written over such a long period of time. So when we when we got this band together, we basically just left school, and um, you know, I mean, we were all kind of trying to figure out our way in the world and experiencing a whole bunch of different stuff all at once. So a lot of the lyrical kind of themes and and words and and, and whatever. It's uh, it was written like over multiple months, like cons- uh, consistently adding to it, and you kind of build this like. In, in my head, I was building like a collage of like the last two or three years. Hmm. Okay. And are they things that happened to you personally, or are they observations? Um. It's. I suppose it's a bit of both. I kind of lose track of what's autobiographical and what's just a statement um mm. along the way uh i know that i know that pig is is a much more autobiographical song in that it's about a story i was told when i was younger i don't really want to go into details about what the story was but um yeah i mean it it kind of just flows out at the mm. end of the day like a lot of the time when you're writing lyrics you feel like you're forcing it um so you tend to get more and more cryptic just to kind of bury that feeling. Yep. And then when you realize that it's too cryptic, you try to like do a 180 <laughs> and uh, try to make sense of it. And that's kind of where the finished product ends up. Yeah, it's, so there's a few clues in there if people are going to study the lyrics as to what it might be about. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. 
So the other thing that I'm really impressed by about it, the EP is the way it's recorded. Okay, so there's a really nice balance on here. So how did you, who did you use as the... Did you guys produce it yourselves and you just worked with an engineer? Or tell us about the recording process. So when we went in to do this EP, we had like the we had like the skeletons of of the songs that were were going to appear on there and um we're recording at a studio called a sharp studios it's based in western sydney um and we'd known the engineer there richard lake for a few years so we were on you know speaking terms and we had this idea of we're going to do an ep um and i think you know when we went in there we were all probably overconfident in, in the songs and he basically dismantled it completely. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and he, he really fo- tried to make his focus on, on melody and, and song structure and how do you get the point across quicker, but not kind of, uh, concede any of your, you know, artistic leanings or whatever. Um, so the real process of it was the EP was kind of written in the studio. A lot of, Okay. A lot of what we did in there was kind of on the fly. And when we figured something out that worked with it or worked within the structure of the song that we had, we kind of just laid it down. Um, so, yeah, we're kind of permanently in debt to Richard for giving us that much studio time. So was it one of those things where you came in and went, Richard, we've got this wonderful music to share with you and we want to record it right now. And did he let you down gently or was it one of those things where he goes, lads? pause we've got to talk about this it was um it was a mix of both he's he's never you never feel like he's being harsh but he's very he's very direct yeah so if something wasn't really cutting it it, it wasn't a it wasn't a conversation you know mm. um which caused like i didn't i don't think it caused any tension there was there were a few times where i was annoyed or frustrated because i wanted it to be finished but um you know in, in the long run i mean you know, you go through this period after you finished your, the the project that you're working on where you where you don't like it and you you can see all the flaws in it, but even after two or three months of it being out, like, you know, I really I really like this record. I think we did really well. Hmm. I do too. I think you've done magnificently well. And just talking about the best way to listen to it now is that vinyl. Do you think? And and one of the one of the preferred ways that I like to listen to music. And believe me, I'm no ludite. I just Love the, the I just love the whole process of unwrapping a cassette, taking it out, yeah. putting it into a vintage cassette player. One that I've got, one that I found on um, Gumtree fella up here that I bought it from out in the western suburbs of Brisbane. Um, what do you, what would you say is the best medium or method in, to listen to this music? Sure. Um, well, fortunately, I haven't heard it on vinyl yet, so um, that might be. We are thinking of doing a, a vinyl pressing. Um, in the near future. Uh, but until then, I think the best way to listen to this EP is, is headphones. Mm. I wouldn't really say it's... I mean, it, you know, just from a personal standpoint, I wouldn't really say it's something that I'd put on at like a party or, or you know, even over speakers particularly. I think it's something that, like, it's it's kind of a personal listen. It's something that, you know... You listen to whether you're, you know, on the bus or you're walking and you've got your headphones in or you're just, I don't know, sitting down, doing nothing. But it's it's kind of like the, the experience we were going for was was more of like an immersive kind of experience hmm. where you were pretty lost in the music. 
Um, so I suppose headphones kind of lend to that. I'd say it would be a magnificent accompaniment to a psychedelic. I reckon it <laughs> would, would aid some music, aid and assist remarkably well, and I think this is music that would do that. So, yeah, we, we agree. Quietly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you've got to be careful with these things, but gosh, you know, nobody's saying we do or we don't. <laughs> but it's uh, it, it's music that, that I think, it, it's, a, it's music that takes you on a journey. And it's incredibly visual music, and of course that goes hand in hand with what I've just described. Totally. And, uh, you know, I suppose uh, one of the kind of key points that we were thinking of when we were writing these songs is we, we like psychedelic music. We like music that's kind of, you know, drenched in reverb and delay and, you know, it's, it's you know, imaginative and it kind of suits that kind of vibe. But we didn't want to be a retro act um, at all. So it was kind of, we were taking elements of, of I suppose you'd call it psychedelia from, more from like the trip hop yeah. era in a lot of ways, like Massive Attack. Tricky. Yeah. Canada yeah. in there. Yeah, I heard yeah. a bit of Tricky through it too, actually. Yeah, I should have mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, I mean, we're, if, if, if it assists with the music, then of course we're, we're all for that. <laughs> mm, mm. How far do you, do you want to take this, and how far do you think you can take it? It's a big, uh, it's a big question. Mm. Um, you know, for me, for me, I don't find the kind of enjoyment that I get from music in 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 anything else um, in terms of in terms of uh, creativity or just like what I would like to do for the rest of my life. Um, you know, it's a frustrating thing writing a song. It's very frustrating at times, but it's kind of the one thing that I don't really ever, I can't seem to put it down. Um, so that like, it's kind of addictive in a way. Um, mm. so in that sense, you know, I'd really, obviously I'd like to play music, you know, on and on. <laughs> And, and and earn an income from it, but I don't think we're particularly aiming to be, you know, mega pop stars or anything. Um, mm. I think, you know, like, at this point, we'll really be just happy to earn, like, a decent living and be comfortable um, and yeah, write music. <laughs> I, I think about these things, because I'm 40 years of age, okay, so it's it's crucially important that musicians as talented as yourself find a way to make sense of the commerce of your music. Okay, so what I mean by that is, I mean, it's obvious what I mean effectively, but what I'm really saying is, is that what's the best avenue that you can make money from doing this the simplest way? What's the easiest way that you can do it? And I've actually, this is one of the few times where it just came to me. Now, I'm doing a screenwriting course at the moment. Your music would go really well accompanying stuff on the big screen, whether it be Netflix-style uh, series or a movie or what have you. It's music that I think would... Screenwriting is all about less dialogue. It's, it's, it's about effective scenes, effective use of visuals, and that means effective use of music to accompany the visuals. So yours is music that I think that if you could find a way to get to know some screenwriters quite well and therefore some pro producers, directors, even actors, that sort of thing, and if you could expand that way, I actually think your music would find a, a home accompanying visuals. 
So we've already talked about totally. the visuals. So is that is this something that you've thought about before, or is this a, a brand new concept that we've, we're effectively discussing tonight? No, no. I mean, uh, over the last, I suppose over the last year, we've been getting increasingly interested in, in the the business side of things, and I think. You know, it's it's not really a point of embarrassment for a musician anymore to be interested in the business side. Um, we're not really hiding from from that um, idea that we're you know we want to make money. <laughs> you know, we we have to eat. Well, you need to make money. So, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. So you know, we've been talking a lot about the ways in which you know, and a group like us could make that kind of money and. And uh, the screen is definitely the, the best option for us that we can see um, mm. on top of touring and, and merchandise. Um, so, you know, over the next, over the next little while, I, I, really, I really do think that we're going to try to push for a, for a spot in a, you know, a Netflix special or something, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's music that kind of like suits that area. Um, and, you know, but at the same time, you know, we've always wanted to be like a hardworking band. So touring in the future is, is I hope, going to be a very big part of our success. I think live music is, is, the, is always going to be the top form of music. Experiencing something live is, is like nothing else, you know. Hmm. So speaking of that, have you got plans to come up here anytime soon? <laughs> um, we, you know, we tried to book a tour this year, but we're still, you know, completely doing this on our own. Yeah. So organizing all of the all of the bands and the hotels and, and whatever, kind of just got to got over my head. Um, it's hard. Yeah. But in the in the next uh, few months, we're going to be heading back into the studio to record some new singles, um, and we'll after that hopefully be doing a tour of the East Coast. So yeah, yeah. Mm. definitely. Just um, just loop back around to the visual aspect of things again. I really like this EP cover that you've got here. Is there a, a specific story behind the astronaut? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, so that artwork is done by a man named Stephen McFarlane, and he is the friend of Ben's dad, longtime friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know where Ben got the artwork from, but it was gifted to him. We've got it in Ben's room, actually. Um, and, you know, I've, I've known Ben for years now, almost 10 years. So for ages, I would go to his place and I would see this artwork. In the back of my head, I think I always thought that would be a really good album cover. Um, then when it came time to figure out what the album cover was, I kind of just pointed to it. And uh, Stephen was kind enough to let us use it it's i wouldn't describe it as minimalist but it an, an initial when you look at it initially you're thinking okay i've got this but the more you look at it the more you see there's a lot going on yeah. there really you it, know, is a bit, so. it is a bit like that yeah so i uh, you know it sounds like an oxymoron saying it initially it looks minimalist and the more you look but that's how it is it's you so you think okay i, I I call it an astronaut. It's a guy with a jetpack, the green suit, and flying. And there's this fella who looks like he's he's got his blue, got a blue face. Actually, the rest of him isn't blue. There's all these things you start picking up on, and and it really suits the music well. I think like 
for for us, you know, we were looking at the the themes of the the EP and and the overall music, and and a lot of it is just so kind of cryptic. So you know, it's it's very up for interpretation. I think we needed an artwork that was as well. Hmm. We couldn't come out and and say this is what this represents. You can really look into that artwork and come up with your own meaning for it, hmm. um, which is important to to me anyway. Yep, indeed. All right, mate, I'll wrap things up. Now, you mentioned that the EP is out there for public consumption, but what mediums and what um, streaming mechanisms or what have you, what, how can people get in touch with you guys and how can they listen to your music? Sure. Uh, well, anyone listening can find us over at our Facebook, Slow Culture Band, I think it is. <laughs> I should probably double-check that. It is, yes, yeah, um, slow, at Slow Culture Band. Yep, you're right. That's the one. All good. Um and you can find all of the updated, you know, uh, tour dates and, and just general information there. Uh, you can stream us over at Spotify, which is where I stream all my music. Um, and Bandcamp, Bandcamp, we're all up over Bandcamp, and we have a. I think we still have a few shirts to sell. If anyone's interested in buying a shirt, what about that? Is that is that on the um, website on the on the Facebook page here? That'll be on our Bandcamp. Bandcamp, okay, good old Bandcamp. I do love Bandcamp. I got to say, it's pretty good, huh? Yeah, I, I just uh, I've gotten there's just just the networking side of it. You listen to one artist and you think, God, where else can I find music like this? And Bandcamp makes suggestions, and lo and behold, most of it's fantastic stuff. It's not exactly. Not, it's not a marketing driven thing, is what I'm saying. It's a more of an algorithm driven thing about the music that you like, as opposed to what someone's trying to push to you. Yeah, it's it's great in that way. Um, I also just think it's like it's really cool to have kind of your own store set up there and kind of control the prices and 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 all of that stuff. Hmm. Indeed, yeah. All right, mate. Thanks so much for the chat. I've really enjoyed this one, and um, congratulations on a on a wonderful EP. It's certainly one of my favorite releases of the year. So um, I'll, it's one of those EPs that I'll be listening to a lot longer beyond the album <laughs> review cycle and the interview cycle. So congratulations on doing that and really the best of luck in the future. I really hope that you take this as far as you want to take it. Thank you, man. I, I, I really appreciate that. It, it, it means a lot. And uh, I've got to say this is the best interview that I've done oh, thank uh, you, so mate. far in my short career, definitely. Yeah. No, thank you so much, mate. No, I really appreciate you giving me that feedback. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and syndicating for the A-List online. That was a conversation between me, Andrew Mackay-Smith, and Jack O'Neill from a Sydney outfit who go by the name of Slow Culture. Thank you so much for listening.